Bloody Elbow presents MMA Depressed Us, the show that looks back at some fights that were so bad that they were good, fights that were just incredibly bad, and fights that were deeply disappointing. Hey everybody, welcome back to the MMA Depressed Us with me, Zane Simon, and my co-hosts, as always, Connor Revish and Phil McKenzie. We are here once again on a UFC off week, watching the best of bad MMA, and uh, as as always, these days we're trying to build, you know, a little theme for the episode, a little hook, a little something extra. And uh, we had started out with the guy or with the idea of doing a brother versus brother episode because there have been a couple of terrible, you know, especially like anchored by the Carlos Fodor versus, uh, oh, I just want the listeners. Phoenix Jones. Phoenix Jones, yeah, Phoenix Jones fight. I just but... listen to how quickly you, Zane, rattled off three brother versus brother fights. Only two, two. I only, I only could think of two. It was the MFC, uh, the MFC one, MF, I, I MFC thirty-seven. Held the third one back because you knew how suspicious <laughs> it was sounding. And then a couple, like eight seconds later, you're like, "Oh, here's one." Um, I happen to have this VHS copy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, hey, look, nobody ever said that I was, you know, an okay or right-minded person. <laughs> I refuse to have to live up to any standard by which my sanity is uh, needs to be, you know, present. <laughs> Good. Yeah. So instead of that doing that though, because we couldn't find enough uh, fights, we're doing a Jim Betrayal episode of former fighters fighting their for, uh, fighters fighting their former teammates, and we are starting that episode off with John Jones versus Rashad Evans from UFC 145. One of the real like first i'm sure it wasn't the first there have been plenty over time plenty of mma out there but one of the real first like we turned this into a a blood feud kind of uh you know sales points i can remember in mma where it was kind of genuinely was a grudge match yeah it genuinely was a a former uh, training partners fight all the time without bad blood um you know, not as often as former training partners refuse to fight each other, et cetera. But this one, genuinely, they had a problem with each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're following that up with Travis Brown versus Brendan Schaub at UFC 181. And then jumping into Francis Ngannou against Cyril Gaon at UFC 270. So let's uh, go ahead and dive into the first fight, Jones versus Evans. If everybody's got it pulled up. Mm-hmm. Do we all have the same copy? Forty-nine fifty-eight. Yep. Yep. Okay. Have all we all we're watching on fight pass. pass. And as always, I will count down three, two, one, go. We'll all hit play. We'll all be watching alongside each other. If you're using another format, then Connor will try and queue up the beginning of round one when that happens, so that you can start your video when the first round starts. That's right. All right. Starting in three, two, one, go. 
Wow, I feel like I was the most in sync with you that I've ever been just then, Shane. How deep was this into John Jones' title reign? Because it was certainly that first year. I think this was just after Rampage. No, no. Uh, Machida was after Rampage? And then uh, maybe. This was the... Around the time uh, of Thor and... The third, the third defense of the belts. Uh, Rampage, Machida, Evans. What an era that was. No kidding. It was just a, it was one of those times, like, it's always, you know, you get a, you get a dominant champion leaves and you get all the filling, the filling champs, all the people that would have been great had they had the, had the original champ, not the last dominant champ, not been there. And then when you get the next guy who just comes in and cleans everybody out, it's, it's always really kind of eye opening. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember at all? Um, uh, we should say, by the way, that like I've been contending that this is actually a perfectly fine fight, and you guys remember it as being bad. Yes. Um, so um, I will say that it is one of the ones where like this was jo- this was Jones's first decision after a long streak of just destructions. A letdown at the time, and certainly yeah. in perspective <laughs> of Jones's later career. It can't possibly be that bad. You acknowledge that. But do you remember how you felt about the competitiveness of the matchup at the time? Oh, did you feel it made sense beyond the obvious uh, storyline? I mean, yeah, it was one of those yeah. ones where I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, Rashad should get a shot at uh, at Jones. And it was also one of those ones where I was like, and he's, he's not going to win. Yeah. Why would he win? Because um, he, I mean, he just came off like a real like all-time performance where he just he just thrashed Phil Davis. You remember how mm-hmm. how good Rashad looked in that fight? Man, that was that's a good fight too. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was like an insane wrestling domination against a bigger and equally good wrestler. We thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a sick fight. Yeah, I mean, he'd, he'd beaten, you know, he had a he was, had a really respectable win streak running. He'd beaten Rampage. Uh, yeah, he beat, uh, beat Phil Davis. Like, he was... On yeah. Tito Ortiz. Yeah, I mean, he destroyed Tito Ortiz, whatever. And he trounced like, him the way he should have, though. Yeah, you know, exactly. It was, it was the he kind of win where he, he just, you know, body-bagged Ortiz, and it's like, oh, yeah, no, that's exactly what should be happening right now. Yep, this guy is, he is legit at the top of the sport. Yeah, so it's one of those ones where, like, this guy's really earned his shot. I don't really see why he's going to win, unless Jones is going to prove to be, like, particularly chinny. And as it turned out, you know, John Jones has one of the best chins we've ever seen in MMA. Um, Rashad fell off so hard after this. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately after this was that little Nog fight, which is, I think we've watched before. Yeah. And then a split with Dan Henderson, which I'm pretty sure was like exactly the same. <laughs> Hardly anything happened. Wow, man. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was unfortunately John, 
Jones really presaged, although Rashad didn't have to fight any of these people, so it's kind of funny. I was going to say he really presaged the moment when uh, light heavyweight would go from being a uh, what middleweight has become now, which is the weird catch, the, the catch all for weird guys division. Mm. Yep. And it would turn into the super athlete division, the guys that had they actually, you know, had their shit together when they were kids, they should have been playing football or basketball or some other sport that wants a six foot four hyper athlete. Um, and so it would be like, you know, Rashad kind of, you know, he, he was right on the cusp, the end of that cusp where a guy who's like six feet tall mm-hmm. could kind of, could hang around at light heavyweight. But then you see all the people he lost to, and you've got Little Nog, Glover Teixeira, Daniel Kelly, Sam Alvey, and Anthony Smith. And, like, none of them are, like, you know, the the the, the prototype for what light heavyweight is now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, none of them exactly big wild athletes. Yeah. Didn't, uh, at this time, didn't... Rashad accused John Jones of stealing the way he started fights from him. Mm-hmm, the crawl. Yeah. 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 The little like wrestling shot exercise opening that Rashad did. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, John Jones is exactly the kind of person who would do that. Oh, yeah. 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 Is, uh, corny and lame. Yeah. He, he learned moves off of YouTube. He's absolutely like, what, what are cool people doing? Mm-hmm. Do it too. But yeah, I mean, this is really one where, like, it feels like, because uh, this was, you know, really the coming out party for Imperial Athletics or whatever it was at the time, the Black Zillions. Mm-hmm. But it kind of feels like whatever that, you know, whatever Team Evil is has become now, you know, Kill Cliff MMA or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It has gone through many struggles and changes over the years. But it certainly lost the battle here with uh, Jackson Wink. But it's hard not to feel like it won the war in the end. Mm-hmm. Like uh, one of these, one of these camps we're going to see is, you know, around in a different form, but is quite successful in the modern UFC. And Jackson Wink is pretty much on the way out. And who knows? I mean, Phil, you and I have both shared the opinion in the past that if. Anthony Johnson ever had fought John Jones? Mm-hmm. That very may very well have been some. Well, what was it at the time? Uh, Combat three six five. Sam. That may very well have been the revenge they were looking for because that looks like a very dangerous matchup for Johnny here. Yeah, I mean, even if Anthony Johnson didn't beat him, and there's a very strong possibility he just would have mentally collapsed. Oh, I yeah. think he would have he would have put significant dents in John Jones's durability moving forward after that. Like, I he think would, that would have dropped him at least. Yeah, I think he would have uh, he would have hurt him quite badly. And there's a, there's a chance that John Jones might have like gutted through it because he's a very mentally tough and and physically tough person. Yeah. But that he might have been like much more damaged than he was by anyone else he fought. There's still not a, a point where I would have actually picked Anthony Johnson to win that fight. 
because we've never seen Tom Jones actually get knocked out. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely would not believe for even a half second that Anthony Johnson would go out and be able to win a decision and, like, just stay mentally together enough in that fight to win a decision. But it, it is one of those times where it's like, I can't actually think of how John Jones would win that fight. I just would never pick him to lose it. Yeah. You know? it would have I would, to- yeah. I would definitely, I would probably pick him to win, but I would also, yeah, I would just, he would have two rounds of just getting the absolute shit kicked out of him. Because <laughs> he's not even like Daniel Cormier. Where yeah, he's going to just chase someone down once he gets into trouble and he's going to respond to pressure like with more pressure. It's that he would have just been like, oh, we're having a kickboxing match then. Let's, let's kickbox with you. Ah! Yeah. And he just would have, it just, he just would have been getting thrashed for, for a long time. Uh, but yeah, something we never got to see. And yeah, this, I mean, this was, I mean, again, this, this was like when, this really was sort of the turning point, I think, for John Jones in a lot of ways, because it was, I mean, I guess the Rampage one was as well. This was, that was a slow paced fight, but he did at least finish it with a mercy tap. Because mm-hmm. Rampage was just like. Literally yeah. running away. I remember that in the Jackson fight. Yeah. It's just sprinting along the cage. But yeah, there was a lot of, um, there's a lot of uh, cope going on in the fan bases uh, throughout these, like these John Jones title defenses. There were a lot of people just being like, you know, look at this big skinny dude. Like, what's going to happen when Machida like clocks him with a left hand? It's yeah, like, it's probably nothing, bro. He's probably yeah. he's a freak athlete. They don't tend to be easy to knock out. Um, like rampage by rampage by like uh. You know, by left hook KO, and you're just like, what? You've watched <laughs> yeah. Rampage against a long rangey kicker before, or anybody who just doesn't break. Like, have you? Did anybody watch Hit Rampage's fights with with Vanderlei? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, but like, I mean, you don't. Yeah, you, I mean, just like Forrest is is John Jones as good at range as Forrest Griffin? Yes, I'm willing to say <laughs> that he is. Like, funny thing is that they wore us all down. So by the time we got to the Alexander Gustafson fight, everyone mm-hmm. knew that was going to be a fucking walk in the park. Yeah. Yep. Uh, turns out being big is actually yeah. Uh, how I made fun of them for that marketing angle. <laughs> it really, I mean, so tall. We, uh, yeah, we. That is one of those times when, like, that's one of the things that I keep trying. I keep getting back to with MMA and like we do all of our breakdown shows and all that stuff and stuff like this. And I'm just like. You know, I see all these people out there on the web doing technical analysis and all that. There's always, you know, little threads for like, oh, best analysts out there and people like that. You guys get a lot of credit for that. Um, But I'm always just kind of like, but why? Like, MMA is kind of a sport that defies analysis. Well, it's not, but it's, it's, you just have to, you just have have to be ready for it to be stupid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not everything can be can be just easily explained out of hand like that. Like, yeah, but also, but also, it's that sometimes it's not it's not like cool analytical outcomes that that you know 
that describe things. Sometimes it is like the stupid, dumb narrative that people come out with off the bat. You're just yeah, like, but... like a bunch of people are like, oh, this guy's just a big, dumb cheetah who's really tall and he just beats people by being tall. And you're like, actually, no, he's very adaptive and smart and he uses all the tools <laughs> in MMA. And then after a while, you're just like, you know, it's like those memes of the IQ. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> after a while, you're just like, uh, no, no, he's, he's just big and tall. Just making you, you were right. Sorry, guys. Uh, I mean, and Israel Adesanya is sort of kind of Anson Silva. You were right. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> the stupid narratives were correct. God. Conor McGregor was just also a big weight bully as well. Like, yeah. that's like, just, I, it's a huge parts of all their successes, yes. That is where I always kind of find myself keep coming back to. It's just like, yeah, okay, I I could, I, I could go out and write a really detailed article about how I, you know, this like great technical bit of mastery that this fighter has put together has really helped them win all these fights. Or I could just be like, well, he hits good. Mm-hmm. You know? And it, it so often because the sport is so chaotic, easy narratives like that really do carry a lot of weight, you know? Yeah. Like, like... Conor, what Conor McGregor did to Jose Aldo. Is, Round one is about to begin. That is such a... Uh, it's about to begin, which means shut the fuck up, Zane. <laughs> Finish your sentence <laughs> later. <laughs> Starting... What, John... What, uh, Conor starting to Jose Aldo? Now! What, what oh, did you see that? John Jones chickened Aldo. out. John Jones chickened out on doing the crawl. Yeah. had called him out on it. He started and then it was like, oh, and hopped his feet. God, what they really should have done is that they should have had a thing where, like, the person who stops crawling is the loser. That's like, true. the one who's less committed to the crawl. They should, should have, like, run across the cage at each other on all fours and then just, like, somehow gotten into a grappling exchange from that position. Sniffing each other's <laughs> sort of a strange dog greeting. <laughs> the cage. Uh, like twice Rashad's size. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's so, like, he's just, so much bigger than him. His head is like twice the size of Rashad's head. Jones really, he really put to, to bed the Chuck Liddell era of light heavyweight, where guys like Evans and Machida and Shogun, who are all you know five eleven to six foot one area, mm-hmm. could be elite light heavyweights at the highest level. Yep. It was just, and you know, now we're in an era where pretty much every light heavyweight is like six, three to six foot five. And the only reason that they're not heavyweight is because they're, you know, somewhere deep down, they're actually really insecure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They just don't want children. (laughs) There's Jones with the classic Mike Winkle, John overhand. The one where you just completely take your eyes off the opponent and sort of hunch down and God save you if they throw a knee. I was just thinking, looking at all of their like little color coordinated costumes and everything. It's, it's, it was kind of wild just to revisit the feeling of Jackson Wink was like indisputably the best gym in the world. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. At this time. I mean, the, the fighters they were bringing out of there, you know, GSP spent a lot of time there and. You know, this is a moment when Cerrone was on his game. Holly Holm came out and just, you know, 
flip the the woman's bantamweight division on its head, and yeah, you had you had a regular string of fighters, Carlos Condit, you know, just marching out of that gym and into MMA because they were at, you know, at the very least, they were getting everybody in shape and they were giving everybody the whole variety of tools to work with in the cage. Mm-hmm. And they were generally giving them fairly, like, because John, because Greg because Greg Jackson was working with them, they were generally giving them, like, good, coherent game plans to work yeah. with. And really, really good cornering. That's then, true. I do think Jackson still needs to be given credit for yeah. at least having an idea of how to game plan for a fight. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I blame. I think he's a good coach for what he does. Like yeah. he's very good at teaching confidence and figuring out how to get someone to execute in a cage. I blame yeah. all, almost all of the flaws of that camp on Mike Winklejohn <laughs> because he's the technical coach and everyone technically sucks ass. Yeah, and he's apparently, from everything I've seen, an idiot. So yeah, <laughs> and it has to be noted too that the fall off of Jackson Wink, like. It was Greg five, six years ago. Greg Jackson just kind of stepped away and mm-hmm. was like, oh yeah, I'm not really doing much with anymore. We haven't seen him for years. Yep. You know, and the the talent level has just slowly fallen away. And yep. Certainly, the preparation has gotten worse, and yeah, yep. absolutely. So this is kind of what you would expect from Rashad against somebody who's uh, twice his height, right? Yeah. Yep doesn't have any distance closing tools doesn't have a a competitive jab to give john jones even if he has a jab he can use occasionally it's nothing that he can use to compete at range so jones Jones is kind of patiently beating his ass though yeah oh yeah yeah it's just it, it is at least like a an offensively committed version mm-hmm. of john jones who's yeah. like going for things and pressuring consistently and so on. Uh, yeah, it's remarkable how much like worse he looked. In this same matchup, you know, yeah. shorter guy running away who's just waiting to counter, he looked so much worse against this when he uh, doing this when he fought Tiago Santos. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, my God. And size, you know, notwithstanding, Tiago Santos is a much worse fighter than Richard Evans. Yeah. And I mean, it, it ha- I that has to be well. I mean, he's, he's he's had years of bad technical coaching, which has only made things that he was good at worse. Um, but a large part of it too just has to be the the lack of game plan, the the lack of having a corner that can deliver a game plan to him because it's not like you see in any of his recent fights that he's in the cage lacking confidence. He's just lacking ideas, you know? It's a fighter who, he goes out there and he fights guys like Anthony Smith and he fights guys like Tiago Santos. And there's no, like, you don't see John Jones being like, oh, I don't think I should be in range with this guy. Like, he let Tiago Santos kick the hell out of him. There's the first of two head kicks, I think, from Rashad in this fight, if I recall correctly. You know, and he's got he's in here getting clipped up by Rashad, but this time, you know, in this fight he has actual like he has direction to be given, so his confidence can turn into his own offense. Really is going to be like 
there's a really good chance that some heavyweight just breaks in. If he ever does fight for to do it. He is never going to do it. I know. He knows that. He, he posted much. he posted champ twenty twenty three on his Twitter. Oh, uh-huh. so <laughs> now I believe him. Yeah. Did you see the person posting that he had posted champ twenty twenty two and big things twenty twenty one as well, like as well. Uh huh. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Just literally every year for the past three years, been like. You know, this is the year when I make something happen at heavyweight. I mean, he's, he literally started talking about it back in, like, 2013. Yeah. Yeah. I think with the increasing number of John Jones-sized fighters that he fought and basically had very little idea of what to do against, and uh, I would say, Zane, I would say less confidence, but I think it's connected to that, perhaps. Yeah, so, uh, maybe. Worse game plans, but also, I mean, I think we saw in the Gustafson fight, the stupid narrative was completely spot on. That, like, just having his height uh, against him makes John Jones a lot less certain. And sure. knowing that he, like, got beaten up by his bigger, like, not as tall, but bigger and stronger brothers. But at the same time, like, when he rematched fight heavyweights. But when he rematched Gus, it was, you know. Well, yeah, but. He didn't even have to. It, it, it was a fight he didn't even have to think about. He knew exactly what to do. Yeah, but Gus was shot. I know, but I'm just it's... saying. He, it, there's something in John Jones that does not want to be like to to like tie up with somebody and feel that they can actually just kind of throw him around. It could be. It could be. I just think he's he's getting so little like actual good direction that when he does tie up with people or when he does these yeah. things, he just there's no plan. There's no that is next absolutely step. true. Yeah, you know, it's just everything is a dead end, and you can see how that starts in a fight like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, where... yeah, because he's been given years of thinking. He's he was just given years of thinking that he was a good striker. Yeah, and he's just like, yeah, the things you're doing are good. You but are, like, you yeah. are a good kickboxer, John Jones. He is. This is what the lesson he is learning from this fight is yeah. that he's a really good kickboxer. And but you watch this, and you can see like there is nothing he's doing creates anything else. You oh, know, yeah. he, he jabs. Body, he's what's that setting up? think. Hey, you know what? Body jab to left hook. I, yeah. He was trying to say something. Now, was it the Winkle John? style setup where you do one thing and then you do one thing that's different right after. Yes. Yeah. That's not really a combination, but yeah. Uh there was an idea there. I'll give him credit for that. Oh, there's the elbow. Ooh, yeah. nasty. And like it's it is remarkable how good he at, is at doing stuff like that, but it is also just like okay, you did the same elbow three times in a row. What yeah. is you know, if 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 you stop having that, if you stop being given the direction to make that plan, what are you act, what are you trying to do in this? You yeah. know, well, yeah, p- pick and choose like single strike kickboxing is yeah. a lot more effective when you sort of have your range by default. Yeah, but he gets his range by default a lot. That's what I mean, though. I mean, that is that is part of the yeah. size differences. Yeah, but I mean, 
I'm just saying, even with a uh, with a with a still at this point with a, a you know a yeah. Winklejohn supplied skill set, able to feel confident and put these things together against the taller guys later, like both lacking Greg Jackson's guidance and lacking the stuff that he's mostly lacking here. He just doesn't yeah. know. You you see all of the uh, the holes appear. Also, I will say like uh, the one thing Tiago didn't have that Rashad has is Rashad's terrible uh, love for playing patty cake with opponents. Oh yeah, just drawn into hand fights that he is terrible at. Yeah, and also like if you're hand fighting a guy with a reach that is six inches longer than you. You are absolutely just seeding whatever mm-hmm. distance they want. Like they ha- they yep. control both of your hands, and they have more range to work oh. with. Why yep. isn't Shad trying to wrestle? Why isn't he? Yeah, probably because they've spent so much time in the gym together. He knows he can't. He knows that Jones beats him in the wrestling. Yep. I would bet. But, like, what did he think he was gonna? <laughs> <laughs> he was gonna go there and use his masterful Rashad Evans boxing to beat him on the feet. He, tr- I mean, that is. We want to talk about fighter, like you know, the process of becoming capital T technical and having it like ruin you. Uh-huh. And we're talking about the fall off that Ra- that Rashad Evans hit after this. It's the hand fighting to the elbow every time. And I got to think a big part of what happened to Rashad is his push to become a capital T technical boxer after getting a couple big knockouts, mm-hmm. it just, he could never learn to be a good enough puncher, a good, a good enough strategic striker to. Well, no, but the, 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 the Machida fight was like the first instance of that. Um, and there was others too, I guess the Griffin fight. I mean, but then yeah, the, the Phil Davis fight we talked about was, was just before this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, but what I'm saying is that, like, he's on a path that led him more further and further away from his wrestling already by this point. I'm just and saying, look what's happening. At some point, you got to try it, right? It's, but, it's you know. curved up against the fence and hasn't even tried to shoot once. There's a feint of a takedown. Also, too, you know. It could very well also be that Rashad made the terrible mistake of going to a hoofed camp late in your career Mm -hmm. where, you know, hoofed is going to try to teach you to be a technical, well, a well-composed striker. Mm -hmm. And he's going to do that by breaking down most of the things that you're already comfortable with. Mm -hmm. I've got to say, Rashad's not looking like worse than usual in his No. He's landed he and even in the last round he landed a lot of clean shots. Yeah. Jones just doesn't doesn't care. No. Yeah. That was the thing is that like like Machida he landed some 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 of his best shots uh on Jones and it just didn't really do anything. Jones was just very mildly buzzed. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, "Oh, yeah, that was annoying." And that's the thing if you're one of those guys like Rashad or Leoto is just like their games just weren't built to deal with the sheer they might they might have been able to win against him if he just didn't have again 
just the most incredible durability we've ever seen. Yeah. Just one of the all-time great MMA chins, like, top three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if this is a di- di- division ever increasingly defined by immediate stopping power, John Jones, his late career championship reign was entirely defined by the inability of any of these people to stop him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They just hung around for a very long time until... Yep. That's why I think if he ever does make it to, to heavyweight, I think an underrated outcome is just that he... An underrated possible outcome is just that he continues to win. <laughs> just utter stinkers. Oh, yeah. People who just, I mean, you know. He has the biggest thing that you need to be a successful heavyweight, which is insane durability. So mm-hmm. it, it is totally possible. It's just also very possible at this point that he's built it up to be such a problem that mm-hmm. he has the Alexander Gustafson moment where, you know, he goes up and tries to fight Fabrizio Verdum, and it's just like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. This is terrible. Yeah, and that it's just like, and that it's following on from uh, multiple years of him being on the shelf, which were fo- which are coming on the tail of multiple years of him looking like shit. Mm-hmm. That was a nice combination from Richard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can see that it you know, given Rashad's physical traits, someone you could see that someone like Henry Hooft could train him into a genuine threat against oh, yeah. against against Jones. Just like if he could just low kick and throw and punch in combination, like he wouldn't need the wrestling so much. It's just that it need, Henry Hooft needs like five years to make. Yeah, that. exactly. It would have he would have to have got to him way earlier in his. God, career. imagine Rashad just with Henry Hooft the whole time instead of Mike Winklejohn. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, imagine John Jones with yeah. Henry Hooft instead of Mike, Mike Winklejohn. He would have been much better. Mm-hmm. But you can see like that, John Jones's like low kick defense, which is to not do anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there was a shot. Uh, it's a pretty desultory one. No, yeah, by the time... The, the, once you get into like, if your first shot is coming in like third round, you're probably yeah, just not. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Especially when most of those three rounds have been you getting absolutely across the fence. Yeah, it is. You know, it is a low simmer, but you're right. It's a pretty decent fight because Rashad is getting hurt really bad in every round. I keep meaning. It's at least on par with our revised opinion of uh, Anderson Latus, and I would say, frankly, a little more active than that. I mean, this is definitely Jones, given the opportunity at this point, a very steady output would be the default. Yeah. Yep. Just Anderson Latus, at least you get, like, Anderson Silva's much more palatable flair. Yeah, and trying weird things. Yeah. Jones does try weird things and he does showboat a little, but it always just comes off as like somehow, you know, no. Yeah, it's like it's like when Rory McDonald tried to do the Ali shuffle. Yeah. That's not you, man. Yeah. The 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 yeah, the 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 flair has to be authentic. Yeah. Oh, poor John. Well, 
not poor John. He's an asshole, but he has never been able to be an authentic person ever, and that's kind of kind of remarkable, you know. Yeah, that's another dumb opinion. That was true. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was like people just like, oh, he's fake, and yep, they were right. Like, yep. what do you mean? What's the evidence that he's completely fake? Of <laughs> his utterly false persona. He is. He's duplicitous. Is the the personality term? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, a thoroughly duplicitous person. He really is. I still remember that um, uh, that uh, article where the the Deadspin writer went and oh yeah, spent like a few weeks with Jones and like the stories of him, like just the weird back and forth. Like when you spend an entire day with Jones, you do get to see all the different sides of him. Mm-hmm. It's him, like talking about family and loyalty and stuff, and in like earlier that morning, you literally watched him hand his number to a waitress. Like, yep. <laughs> but I, he doesn't. I don't even think he knows it. He's. He, yeah, uh, I mean, well, it's just it. it they're all. It, it, all sides are true. You know, it's not one of those things where everything he does is fake. It's everything he does is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? He just blends into the crowd. And then you get this weird sense that in all of his trying to fit in, there's like a there's like a contempt because I think the only time you see the real John Jones is when he gets to completely dominate another human being. Yeah. And visibly enjoys himself. Uh like comes alive. And so you get those things taken together give you this weird sense that he's like he's desperately trying to make you like him, but he's like disgusted by the act. He's like I don't know. The way John Jones sees other people, I would very much like to get inside his head. He is still a fascinating figure. So we're in the fourth round. At some point yep. here, Rashad is going to... Maybe the head kick I was thinking of was actually that one in the first round, which kind of shook Jones up a bit. Yeah. There yep. have been a couple of moments where Jones has stumbled a little and... yeah. You know. I thought there was one more late in the fight, like a when it, well after it was clear that Rashad was losing. I thought there was one more moment where you're like, oh. And then my little heart was broken. Yeah. Because yeah. I was a Jones defender, but I, you know, I like Rashad. I still like Rashad. Oh. Yes, this is at this point just becoming a feeling like a very cruel fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is particularly mean in that it's you know it is the one where like Rashad was the you know he was the elder statesman, the elder brother mm-hmm. in the gym, the uh, the one who knew it all and had become the champ, and then he's just getting you know he's just getting outclassed by the next generation. Yeah. And in John Jones's brain, it's like finally an older brother who's smaller than me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the glee of revenge we're seeing from him. Just realized that John Jones' trunk, his nickname and stuff, is in like Jimmy John's font. Johnny Bones. What is Jimmy? What yeah, is what's Jimmy John's font? Yeah. Wait, you don't have Jimmy John's in Ohio at the least? We have I, John's. What's the font? It's just that like big sort of like uh That old, looks like Helvetica uh, bold to me. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's an just extremely your... standard font. Why would you think of that as the Jimmy John's font? <laughs> it's just because it's Johnny Bones. And it's just like, okay, all right. You know. It's the similarity. Yeah, it's the similarity. It's the words as well. We definitely I... have Jimmy John's saying, I... It's like, you're not going to tell me. It's a sandwich shop, Phil. Yeah. It makes subs. They, they do not make anything with shrimp paste or cucumber. Definitely, uh... yeah. No cucumber and cream cheese sandwiches with the crust cut off. Yeah. What? What's the point, then? <laughs> and many of their sandwiches have sauces on them. Crazy talk. Really upset you. They, they haven't been sitting in a little triangle plastic container in a, <laughs> a uh, subway down Tesco. newspaper stall for the past six months either. Mm, delicious. <laughs> Phil, Phil is just weathering this. Jesus Christ, every single interaction I have with an American, they have to do this stupid bullshit. <laughs> Phil never claps back, you know. He never no. accuses no. me of being a school shooter, which is the <laughs> it is the the default. Or mocks me for not having health care, which is the other liable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that that's its own mocker, really. Yeah. Like who has to mock you for not having health care when you'll be, you know, dead? Yeah, I'll be dead anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be mocked by my. Unmarked grave. The pauper's grave. <laughs> That's right. The medical dead couldn't afford me a tombstone. See, I, re I respect that Jones was mean enough to go for his own double leg takedown towards the end of the round there, because he was just like, sure, yeah, why not? Yeah. I had no reason to just... Yeah, there comes a stage in this fight where Jones is is really just playing with his food. Mm-hmm. It's the same in the, in the like... Um, in the uh, the rampage fight, he like well, jumps on a flying triangle at the end of one of the rounds, and it's just like, yeah, sure, why not? What is when has rampage ever done anything about someone doing a flying triangle on them? Yeah, true. Imagine if rampage had slam case. Oh my god, it power bombed him the way that he did. So good. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been the the highlight of all highlights. Mm. Oh, really, that is like nothing. We lost no, there was no bigger loss in Pride than A, Mirko Pro Cops head kicks, and B, Slam Page. Like, mm -hmm. losing Pride took both of those from us. We see a lot of those, you know, the juxtaposition of the two faces in round five, but that one hurt me. Yeah. Usually it's like there's like, you know, both fighters are ready to go last round or like one guy's terribly beaten up. This was like just Rashad looking honestly more dejected than injured. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like heartbroken. And Jones just looked so smug. <laughs> so mm -hmm. <Yeah>. <laughs> And now look at him. He just did like a little leaping left hook yeah. to the body. He, he, he thinks he's Muhammad Ali out there now. Yeah. Yep. He's trying to get loose. He's like, I'm yeah, and the, sure the cooler the stuff he's trying, the, the worse it's working. Uh huh. But we try to a Mayweather pull counter. Yeah, and I, I feel like this is the only version of John Jones that's left now. Yeah. Is the like I'm confident and I want to try cool stuff, but 
Yeah. He doesn't have anybody to like give him any direction at all. But even this is way more active than yes, yes, considerably. And and look, he's like when he's not sure what else to do, he's landing jabs. Yep, Uh that has also basically gone away. That was there. You go. That was actually genuinely good. That was a real setup. An actual combination. Look at this. A jab to the body, a jab to the a sticky jab to the head, and then the right hand behind it. This is how technical fighter uses a massive reach advantage. Yeah. I mean, if Rashad had two hands, even. It would yeah. Be. Right. If one hand was used for something other than batty cake. He did land <laughs> some good jabs in the very early going of the fight. And, like, they were shockingly easy to land. But, yeah, it's not ingrained. That's probably one of the things Hooft tried to teach him. Yeah. It's 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 just like I said too. It's not a competitive jab. It's a jab that he can throw it and land it, but there's no education to like how do I use this? Yeah, yeah. To get to get past somebody's defense. Oh lord, that that was not the spinning back fist of a confident man. No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Yeah, this is really a... Now we're getting into the other part of John Jones's... Uh, title reign. The Neo Jones. Yeah, long protracted uh, periods of him just uh, squishing the other guy in the clinch. Mm -hmm. That I always enjoy watching, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Something he's genuinely very good at and has a wide range of skills. Yeah, it's yep. really sad though. I, was, I can't remember who it was now that pointed out that like one of the things that's changed with Jones over the years is he's gone from a wrestling clinch to like a, trying to do a tie clinch. Yeah, I think it was Ed Gallo. Yeah, and that like he's not with good at the it. tie clinch, he doesn't know how to defend anything from that clinch anymore, and so yeah. he's more inactive than ever out of it. It's yeah. also like the tie clinch is not just a double collar tie. It's like a yeah. full system, just as deep as the wrestling clinch Jones, you know, spent many years learning. Oh my yeah. god. Dismissive trip. Really that foot sweep there. Brutal. Yeah, I mean, is it any wonder that Rashad was a shot like that this was this this was the Yeah, it's, a, it's breaking me just watching it. My yeah. god, it's a shot. Do one more embarrassing takedown, John. You know you want to. Especially, I mean, that's why we wanted to do the the training partners kind of thing. Because, like, how demoralizing must this be to somebody that you feel like you brought up in the gym? Mm-hmm. Yep. To just have them just like do. Oh, here's a little trip dump. Here's a shoulder strike. Here's uh, five elbows. You have no idea how to defend at all because you've never yeah. had skill it's about the you know you're the you know like being the the actress who sees the younger model coming up you're like you should be focusing on me you should i'm the most important person in this gym you should have been focusing on me and then at the end and then you have this fight where it's just like it's proving them right 
yeah. they were correct to focus on this person because he's much better than you. Mm-hmm. You're never ever going to beat him. You're never even going to come close. He did it again, Phil. He was yeah. literally glancing at the clock for the entirety of the last 30 seconds, and when it hit mm-hmm. about 10, he pulled guard just for fun. Yep. The because why not? Humiliation. Like, I do not have to worry about this against you, Rashad. Mm-hmm. Man, oh, man. Yeah. That's it's a, not bad. It's a completely one-sided. Yeah. It's only a couple moments, but as far as beat yeah, it was, it, it was, a lot of stuff happens. It, it was honestly entertaining. Jones is out there being creative. He's flowing the whole way through. It was very fun to watch at this time, man. Yeah. And Rashad just didn't. He didn't have a prayer, but he also he also kept fighting the whole way through. He kept trying stuff all fight. Yeah. yeah. He got hurt a bunch of times. I mean, it was just that the stuff he tried was, you know. Yeah, I mean, he jumped on like Jones. variations on the right hand. Yeah. He jumped on Jones the moment Jones pulled guard and still couldn't do any. You know, he's trying to wail away on him and couldn't even do anything there. It's the thing that ultimately broke him because he was Jones pointedly gave him an opportunity. And then he had to, like, shame himself by accepting this as the way he might win. Yeah. Couldn't do it. I mean, no. Certainly depressing. I mean, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's also depressing because, like, you do really John Jones looked on top of the world in this fight. You can really and... see right there with that little sign to the crowd that saying that that battle of "I have contempt for all of you, please cheer for me." <laughs> yep. Like a sneer. <laughs> of a smile as he waves to the crowd. I mean, th- this this was just after uh, go get some fans, right? Yeah, yeah. That that was fight. Fight. Beck Jackson, yeah. who definitely understands the psychology of his fighters, that's one of his strengths. Mm-hmm. He knows how John Jones thinks. Oh yeah, yep. that yeah. explains go get some fans. Yeah. Yep. It would, have been it would have changed the legacy entirely. If what? What would have changed his legacy? If, if Greg Jackson had just handed John Jones a note and said, get some fans. Rather oh, no kidding. Or whispered in his ear or something that wasn't mic'd up. <laughs> it also, yeah. Imagine if John Jones had had the human impulse to check on the corpse of the man he had just sure. I mean, the fact that his coach had to be like, I don't know. I mean, I you know said it a lot, but the kind the, the kinds of personalities that make fighters want to do things like MMA, yeah, make them well-rounded human beings. You have to remove the John Jones and still have John Jones the absolute unbelievable. Light joke, you know. Yeah. Also, is it just me or is Zane's uh, yeah, mic to go crazy? I'm going to assume that he's recording himself better than he's recording uh, uh, a. Oh, okay. No, my is my feed cutting out like crazy or something. You're very choppy. You sound like a robot, man. Man, that happened a bit in another in our last stuff too. Oh. 
That's fine. Just stop talking the rest of the show. Phil and I got this. Okay. Uh, yeah. Jones is talking away to Rogan. He's yeah. doing a good job of being uh, fake humble now. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just like, uh, you know, this was this was all very good, but you're also, you're also back in it and you're like, this is pretty much the best John Jones would ever look in many ways. Mm. And it's still like, it's still mostly just him beating up a very small guy. Yeah. I mean, what was, other than that, and then maybe like his fight with Glover is the most impressive? Yeah. He doesn't do that great against Glover. It, it's a, It's a slow build. Uh, it's true. It is. It's a. It's a very tough fight, but it's a. T- it's. It's kind of better for that because it's like as tough as the Gustafson fight. But Jones mm-hmm. has the confidence of a man who knows he's on his way to winning the whole time. Yeah. Against Gustafson, he's like he didn't look like he knew what was happening. Yes. All right. Should we should we jump over to the next one? Uh, yeah. yeah. Let's have a nice palate cleanser. Mm. All right. Refresh. Travis Brown versus Brendan Schaub. And this will be a quick one. All right. Starting in three, two, one, go. So, I mean, both these guys were like, they sort of had the very similar narratives around them. It was like, this is a really like physically talented, but somewhat Mm -hmm. raw heavyweight. And both of them, I think, bought into the hype quite a lot. Oh yeah, and so kept like bouncing around different gyms. So like Brown was at Alliance and Jackson's, and where else was he? And then Schaub was like at uh, Grudge, and yeah, ended up at whatever Tverdian's hellhole is. Yeah, and so did Brown. Brown ended up at yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, this is the this is the, the the narrative of it. But yeah, like both of them were like, yeah, where can I find the place that will unlock my uh, potential as a top tier heavyweight? And then, mm-hmm. I mean, unfortunately for many people, the answer is simply, you're not a top tier heavyweight. Yeah. I still think it was one of Chael Sonnen's best and um, you know most actually genuinely good moments was when he was asking, um, uh he was like answering questions on one of his shows or whatever. And they were like, true or false. Travis Brown will become UFC heavyweight champion in 2014. He was like, he just burst out laughing. He was like, Travis Brown, Travis Brown. No, sell, sell. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the thing too. Is it like, you know, they were both pretty good athletes. Travis Brown played college basketball. And it's not actually that meaningful of an athletic you know, distinguisher, but he was, he's clearly big and had some speed and Schaub came, you know, within a whisker of the NFL. But the, the end result is still true. Like you can't, for most fighters, no amount of athleticism is going to cover up the fact that like, you can't start your combat sports career at like 25 you know, you can't just, oh, mm-hmm. I, I've never, t- I've never done any boxing. I've never done any wrestling. I've never done any jujitsu or anything. 
but here I am out of my primary athletic career at 25. I'll go take up something else. I mean, you can, but you need to be the most sensational athlete. Yeah. Like, you need to be Francis to... Ngannou. And yeah. even Francis Ngannou was like, you know, starting to try boxing, I believe, in his teen, teen years, at least a little bit. You need to be realistic about the deficit you're working from. Yeah. Also, I checked the uh, the Chelsea Sonnen thing, and it's even funnier than I remember it being, because it's, it's John Anik asking, he's like, true or false, Travis Brown will fight for a UFC title in 2012. And Chelsea Sonnen's uh, just like looking off into the distance, and he's just like, as, can you imagine? <laughs> what? What are we live? <laughs> no, no, Sal. <laughs> like, oh, I don't like Chael Sonnen, but you can't deny that he is a funny man. He has sometimes has some very good lines. Yeah, it makes the fact that he's also like not, uh, nothing, nothing ever, nothing made me like Chael Sonnen more than the 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 rise of Colby Covington. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, oh no, God, no. like the dude was actually witty. Yeah, charismatic. He was quick. Like. <laughs> Nothing emphasized that more than somebody just trying to do his shtick with absolutely none of the charm. Yeah. Yep. No, I've I've talked to Chael a few times, and nobody will win you over faster yeah, right. in, like, a conversation than he will. Mm-hmm. He's always, like, the most self-effacing, most, like, oh, man, you know, it's so cool to, like, talk to you and hear your thoughts on this, and, wow, that's really interesting kind of person. Do you think Chael Sonnen has contempt for normal people? No. No, I don't. I think that he's definitely, like, his own type of duplicitous. You know, he he is a con man, but I don't think that con man nature is like out of contempt he's just always you know he always thinks i think it's much more the the idea that like you know he always thinks he's on the brink of something that he he can solve something Mm. that he can make something out of nothing i'll say i mean that is a con man thing though i mean like you gotta no i but like to have contempt for people like that to be like yeah, that? I mean, I do, I do feel like he's. There is a little bit of like, you're. If I'm like this, you will buy it, kind of thing. Exactly. You yeah. know, he thinks he he sure. does think he does think that people are rubes. Sure. Maybe I, I, from well, Sopranos or something, but there's some line where like, uh, somebody's talking to somebody, you know, exhibiting extreme narcissistic behavior, and the line is like, "Everyone's stupid to you, aren't they?" Like, that's kind of how I think Chael Sonnen thinks. Like, he wouldn't be Chael Sonnen if he didn't think that he yeah, could basically just I, lie to people's faces and trick them into liking him, etc. I don't, but I, like I said, I don't think, like, I don't think the liking him is really, like, that's not the kind of con he's usually trying to pull that I've seen. Just is charming. Yeah, like, he, I think he's genuinely interested in people and is charming, but then couples that with the the, the willingness to commit real estate fraud. Hmm. Or so take, easy. I'm so charming. <laughs> or take PEDs. It's just like, oh, this is a shortcut to get what I want. I'll just do it. It's fine. It's not going to hurt anybody. You know, I think that's that's more his line of thinking. That that makes sense. He's just unscrupulous in pursuing his own aims. But exactly. Uh, but I don't think it's he, he takes it to a level of, of personal sort of like, oh, you know, you're not you're not smart enough to know what I'm doing. Yeah, he's just sleazy. 
Yeah. Cause like, like I said, I, I have, I've talked to him and you never, I never get the, I, and I'm not going to say that I'm like a perfect judge of character, but You're not, you still haven't figured out me and Phil and our plans. That's true. That's true. I'm, I, I'm the fact that I'm doing this show with you now is a, is, yeah. is true. That Which, I if you were a good judge of character, is so obviously part of the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it's the fact that we can just say it to his face. He still isn't catching on. He's so stupid. <laughs> God, he's thick as a brick, isn't he? So dumb. I, you know what? I, I, I don't. I agree. I, I don't know who you're talking about, but I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is stupid, isn't oh, he? Connor, you missed it. Oh God, oh. round one. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it started. We're five, we're six, seven seconds in. Whatever. It's oh. going to round. You don't have to be that worried about it. Anyway, so yeah, these guys have kind of had parallel careers where, yeah. like, they both tried to be good and weren't, uh, but they had some physical gifts and ended up, like, on a, just strings of just some of the most terrific losses you'll ever see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, it's it's funny though because there's like one big difference in the gifts that they have that didn't actually make any difference in how their careers went, which is that Shab Shab's heavyweight career failed because he's very undurable for a heavyweight, mm-hmm. and uh, Travis Brown is actually quite durable. But was not actually good enough at anything else to make it matter. And I think I do think Brown punishment. I do think Brown is the kind of physical that, like, with genuinely good coaching, he probably would have been a very good heavyweight. Yeah, yeah. He mm-hmm. had the durability. And he had the co- he had the, the the size and the speed, but he just did not have the technical acumen. Yeah, or the consistency of approach too. Like all the camp hopping and all that. Yeah. For a fighter that started late in their career, it's just like where, when, where are you getting any consistent coaching? It felt like a new Travis Brown would show up every, you know, eight months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like when you when you came down to it, you were just like, his physical gifts aren't really all that good anyway. Like it's just they're not bad. They're, yeah, they're I mean he's he's enough. big. He's quite yeah. yeah. He's big. He's quite fast. Um, and he's, he's yeah, he's reasonably flexible. And has like solid durability, but when you think about it, you're just like he was always going to lose to Ben Rothwell. Oh, yeah. because Ben Rothwell like genuinely has all of his gifts, but better. Like Ben Rothwell may not look like an athlete, but he is bigger, faster, and much more durable. Decent, uh, decent takedown by Brandon there. Yeah, it's not married to anything at all. Brown yeah. essentially just Derek Lewising his way to his feet and getting taken down right away again. Yeah, I mean, in many ways, I feel like Schaub was the better, like, developed better as a fighter. But yeah, he yeah. was just crippled by the fact that he had no chin. Yeah, yeah, Schaub, I mean, yeah, Schaub for the chin. No, I mean, yeah, he's 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 a very good athlete. He probably also would have been a quite a solid heavyweight. Yeah, but you can't like unless you're Alistair Overeem and you're or you're. Uh, Andre Arlovsky, and mm-hmm. are literally one of the you know most technical or most powerful heavyweights or fastest out there for your era. Like there's just oh. no surviving that durability, and even they got caught every fifth fight. 
And that, what a silly knockdown that was, too. Yeah. Okay, so right right now, we can't hear it, but Edmund Tavardian is screeching at Travis Brown to destroy. Kill! Kill him, Travis! Because of his... Like, there's such a gross psychosexual triangle going on here. Or even square, if you'd like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's it's like all around Ronda, obviously. It's like the sexual rhombus. Yeah. The Ronda Rousey rhombus. Yeah. Yep. Is that yeah. they're like, is that Tavardian had just the incredibly weird relationship with her. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe not by like MMA standards, but it was always like very, the paternal angle to it did not feel very paternal. No. And then like, uh, obviously, Shout went out with her, and then Travis Brown would end up marrying her, and you can just see, like, you just hear through his shrieking, you can just hear, like, Tavardian living out his vicarious fantasies of, like, yeah. being the big man beating up one of Ronda's boyfriends. Yeah. I mean, Truly Brown, Brown has become his new vicarious boyfriend, so he's rooting for him against the ex that, because he's... Mm-hmm. He hates, you know, just as much as I'm sure Rhonda does. Rhonda doesn't seem like the type to have a good relationship with an ex. Uh, no. Just, no. So he's mirroring that. But at the same time, deep in his tiny little heart of hearts, he's hoping they both die. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, wouldn't that be great? It's like the only thing I can the only thing I can get from this is to is to desperately project myself into the body of Brown. <laughs> so to sp- so to speak. So to speak, yeah. I'd really like uh, to desperately project myself into the body of Ronda Rousey, but that's <laughs> not available to me. <laughs> that's oh, not Desperately projecting myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. Yeah, what a bizarre knockdown. Yeah. Just falling on the ground. Oh, <laughs> What's most impressive was his ability to mount Schaub. Yes, jujitsu master Brendan Schaub. How did he get mounted after getting absolutely crushed to the mat and then bludgeoned? Is that Joe saying that? Yeah. Did was oh, Joe? Yeah. Did he train with Schaub at all at this point? So he's doing his own little. Almost certainly. Probably, yeah. Yeah. He's like, actually, Schaub's jujitsu is really good. All right. So we do we do we want to see watch the post fight or no 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 nah. let's move on. Nope, nope. All right. Let's move on to our final bout. Francis Ngannou, Cyril Gan, UFC 270. Oh, let me reload the. Yeah, I had to pull it up again. Page. All right. Starting in three, two, one, go. Oh, and they've by this point in the UFC's broadcast history, they've cut out all the build-up. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You know what? Good. I like having the build-up. I mean, it I makes like it better for crazy. this. Yes, for this moment now, I am sure. happy. But I remember when Eric Winter was still involved with Fight Pass. Yeah. They, yeah. they asked mm-hmm. people. Yep should we include as much of the build-up to the fight as possible, the walkout and everything? And Zane and I, I recall, both said yes. Yeah. You even, like, talked to us about it. It's just like, yeah, yeah no, please. Like, if I'm going yeah. back and watching this again, my my purpose is not just to see the fight. Yeah. It's to experience the whole moment. 
you know, to make it the best possible, you know, yeah, document of the fight. Yeah. Why not include all that stuff? But for our purposes, boy, I'm not sure I could stand <laughs> 15 minutes to build up to a fight where I know exactly what it looks like. Yeah. Man, this fight was this fight was a letdown. It well, it, it was quite interesting in how completely bizarre it was. Yeah, it's true. But it was not the fight we thought it was going to be at all. I mean, the really interesting, like the interesting thing was that beforehand, there was so many, like there was, it was one of the ones where people were getting, you know, really heads up about who was going to win and yeah. so on, which is always, the, you know, the, the marker of a an exciting matchup. But, but like, it was all the people who were like, oh yeah, Garn's actually like, you know, he's the next breed of technical heavyweight, and then there are a bunch of people who were just like, no, come on, like, look at how. Well, Garn has, uh, has improved his pressure striking. Look mm. at him in the Stipe fight. He's, you know, he's going to absolutely destroy him. He's going to look fantastic. And, uh, and they both just looked that bad. They looked yeah. bad. Like, they looked like guys who spent a lot of time in the gym against one another and had a lot of ideas as to how much damage the other person could do to them. And I, think the thing is, I don't think they even have fought each other that much, had they? They, they said they barely sparred. There, yeah. there was footage out there of them sparring each other, though. They crossed paths fairly briefly, that Fernand Lopez's gym. But yeah. I think basically what we're looking at here is just a different version of the John Jones dynamic we were talking about before. It's like, here are these two guys who really stand out for heavyweight for whatever reasons. I mean, in their cases, they're both huge. They're freak athletes. And Ganu is insanely powerful and very durable. And Gone is really quick and agile, mm-hmm. and in his way, quite technical, in his limited way. Yeah, and I, I, I've you see them time. fight somebody who is very much on their tier when they are the two fighters who are clearly better than the entirety of the division otherwise, and they don't know what to do. <laughs> the, guy mm-hmm. doesn't, the other guy just doesn't fall apart the way he's supposed to. Well, and they're both cases of dudes who ran up the division without finding anyone who could really challenge them. Yeah, exactly. Much. Yeah. And this is some, they they both certainly challenge each other yeah. in this fight, but the it result is, of that is yeah a pretty lame. So I I keep the only thing I've been thinking about actually for the last five minutes is whether uh, Buffer looks more like a cruise ship waiter or the cruise ship entertainment, mm. like mm. cruise ship comedian, like yeah yeah up comedian. Yeah. Also, apparently these guys are the same height. Yeah, they're both six four. Round one is about to begin. Which isn't go. true. <laughs> we just saw them squaring off. Yes. Untrue. Here goes round one. Starting. Come on, Herb. Jesus Christ. Starting now. But yeah, I mean, what, oh. whatever narrative you wanted, you know, whatever side you took, whatever narrative you were, like, espousing about this fight... You know, you were wrong. Yeah, or you were right. Thing. Too. You know? I mean, if, if if you if you were right and you were like, this is going to be this is going to be ass, and they're both going to look. I mean, or you, you know, you could say like, oh well, God, really you know, God's going to be too worried about Ganu's power to strike with him. Yeah, yeah you were right. Kind of or, I, mean, I I actually didn't get this one completely wrong. Shockingly, I was like, in Ganu's counterpunching and power. Uh, is going to be bad. I also thought like Nganu hitting the body, which he does like four times, but it has a visible effect. Mm-hmm. And I was also one of the idiots who was like, Nganu might wrestle. 
Oh yeah, that was yeah. We said that we were, we were like he's probably he should he he is going to and probably should wrestle. And he he certainly does. He certainly yeah. did. And but, it went in the fight. Yep. It it is just weird. It's yeah. But, I mean, this, it was see, the this fact is what that, I mean though when I'm like MMA doesn't really it it doesn't really befit technical analysis a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of it that's just like, well, it's going to get messy. And if it gets messy, who knows? I don't know. Yeah, the, the more big one. precisely technical you try to be, the the more, like, bloodless your analysis becomes. And MMA is nothing, uh, if not the opposite of bloodless. You know, I didn't remember Gon going for the uh, the old... Uh, yeah. The, uh, the Yair. The okay. Yair elbow, yeah. Oh, it upsets me you guys call that the Yair elbow. That's what it's called. He invented it. Comma. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did not exist before that. John who punched him in the dick. The, I think the, that is the, the Samluk elbow, because that dude loved that move. I haven't heard of him, Connor. Yeah. Samluk comes in. Is he as good as Yair as he as good as Yair El Pantera Rodriguez? I don't think so, Connor. That's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, the other thing is that, like, this was to be uh, Nganu's, like, leverage fight, mm-hmm. where he was going to win and, like, confirm himself, you know, because Garn was kind of, you know, very blasé about his relationship with the UFC. And was like, yeah, I'll just defend and fight a bunch of people and whatever. I'll do whatever. You know, I don't care. I don't just, just, just here to do stuff. And uh, Nganu was like, uh, I want to be paid more, and also I want to go and I want to go and box. I want to go and box, and then he has a dreadful stand-up performance yeah. and it's gone. Uh-huh. Like, how bad could it look? Yeah, I still, it's still entirely unclear. Like, I still think Ngannou's going to end up boxing somebody in the future. Mm-hmm. Because what is it with MMA heavyweight champs, and they're, they're obsessed with it? Tired. It's because they they have the they have the wild confidence to stay in this division. Like, you know, if they didn't have stupid confidence, they'd be light heavyweights. But bro, like, forget about fighting people like Usyk and, and Joshua and and Fury and like Derek Chisora would melt Francis and Gandhi. Oh, I know. I know. I know. There's a bunch of people like, well, you know, Ngannou has incredible power. Um, you know, so that mean, that means he's just like Deontay Wilder. And you're like, Deontay <laughs> Wilder would punch him into outer space. Yeah. I like, mean, what are you on? <laughs> there is a there, – there are two truths here, which is one, Anganu already tried to be a boxer at the start of his career. Yep. And – the story you can tell whatever story you want about him stumbling into an MMA gym and being like, "Oh, I'll do this instead." But the very likely truth is, is that he, that also came on the heels of spending some time in a boxing gym and having it go so poorly that he realized that that could not be the future. Well, because that's the actual that's one of the caveats of the. Um... Of like the example you gave earlier, right? Is that if you're 25, 26 and you have no combat sports background, if you were a freak athlete and you're in one of the shitty divisions, you can do it in MMA. Yeah. 
you can't you can't do that in boxing. Oh. And yeah, it is still the shitty division, let's be real, but mm-hmm. it's not yeah. nearly as shitty as MMA heavyweights. No. Not even close. And, and the other caveat to that too is and this is this is actually like the kind of vote in its favor. That's like the weird thing is that I think spending a bunch of time in MMA working on all sorts of different combat sports skills, it does at least give MMA fighters the chance to skip all of the necessary building blocks of a boxing career to have moments of competitiveness with other, you know, mediocre to okay boxers. I don't think that Ngannou would be one of them, but it is like a weird thing of, you know, you can you you get to spend all this time working on boxing craft without to some extent you know whatever level of tech, technical training you're actually getting, but you get to do it without actually having to go through all the stages of like proving you're durable enough to be a boxer or mm-hmm. proving that you have enough form to beat some absolute journeyman who only throws one kind of punch and is there just to barely test you. Yeah, like. You could just spend a decade working on your boxing craft and then be like, oh, I want to fight a, a, a good boxer. And you might be kind of okay in a point that boxing would never have allowed you to get through. Because yeah. Conor McGregor never would have got to a fight with, um, with Floyd Mayweather. And then never. he fought Floyd Mayweather and he did sort of okay. He did sort of, he did. The fact anything I, I remember saying going into that fight saying anything better than two rounds is a win for Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I mean, honestly, I was like, if he wins one round, this is this is oh. sensationally good for him. Five, I mean, like last longer yeah. than two rounds. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It lasting longer than two rounds is a win for Conor McGregor. Yeah, absolutely. The fact that he won any rounds that was, you know, yeah. There's no, there's no way that young Conor McGregor going and being like, I'm going to be a pro boxer would ever get to that fight. Ever. Yep. So, I get, the, I get, I get that aspect of like MMA fighters chasing boxing because it's just like, you know, a lot of them probably tried to be boxers at one point and had very rude awakenings in the gym. Of being like, no, you absolutely can't do this, and nobody here is going to invest in you to turn you into a good boxer. So, gone striking is already, uh, he's basically run out of what ideas of what he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are some counters coming from Nganu, and it has clearly made him nervous. This marks the second time, by the way, this week that I have talked about this fight and completely forgotten that it happened this year. Yeah. Yep. It feels so long ago. Well, last year now. Well, right. Yeah, yeah. But I know January of 22, right. Were they really talking? I'm not listening to the commentary. Were they really talking up Garn at this point about like how incredibly technical he is? Everyone was, of course. No, I mean, just at this point in the fight. Oh, oh. I had had stopped listening because I have. Let me see. DC right 
Yeah, he, just Yeah, he's definitely mentioning how smart and clinical and so on he is. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's winning this round, I guess. This yeah. is just like throwing a bunch of not particularly hard kicks, and Ganu's mostly just kind of standing there. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, if you want this to be your, like, as I said, like, Conor McGregor, before he went to fight Floyd Mayweather, put on one of the most sensational striking performances we've ever seen in MMA. What was it? Eddie Eddie Alvarez? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then, like, (laughs) to have this be your fight before you go (laughs) to, like, try and fight Tyson Fury? No, 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 no. No. No, 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 no. I am very happy, though, for my... Because uh, I'm listening to this with the commentary, but I, you asked me about it, and I realized I, I have a great ability to block out the commentary from my brain entirely. Mm-hmm. Sweet. So, like, I can have DC playing live while I'm watching, and I just don't hear a word he says. And... uh I've never been more happy for that talent than Cormier's run as analyst, desk analyst. I mean, Gunn genuinely looks worse than he did against Stipe. Oh, yeah. I mean, it may just be that, you know, as you said, Stipe is just shot and old and slow at this point, which is probably a good part of it. But it's just that, like, he looked like he had ideas of how to actually pressure and move forward against Stipe. Mm-hmm. Like, he was, you know, he was going to low kick and so on. This, he's just like, I'm just gonna, he goes back to his old thing of like standing there. Yeah. And just waiting for a counter punch. Yeah. And it's just like, why would that work? And then eventually his, his solution is just going to be to just run Garn into the fence. To do a thing that neither of them is particularly good at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a big part of it is honestly that, uh, Stipe was, Stipe wanted to come to Nganu, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. like, we prove a point of like well, the rematch. He pressured Stipe the whole time. True, but yeah. I still like Stipe is not Stipe is not a slide away, stay away fighter. You know, he can do it for short stretches, but that's gonna always break down with him. It's true. I mean, even in that second fight, he Ngannou coming after him, he thought he hurt Ngannou, and then immediately yeah. leaping back into him. Whereas. Gone is like at heart. He is a slide away on the outside. Yeah, he's an outfighter for sure. And mm-hmm. Gone, like a lot of a lot of fighters, and Ganu especially, moving forward while striking is actually like a big problem. Requires you know? you, you got to know how to step while you're punching. Yeah, <laughs> it's genuinely a skill that just isn't really taught. No. Figure it out. This is why every MMA fighter, when they want to like throw a right hand left hook and the guy's trying to back away, they do like a huge disgusting shift where they mm-hmm. completely abandon their stance. That is the only way MMA fighters throw a one, two, three is shifting. Because yeah. um, nobody knows how to step with their punches. Yeah, it's it is, in fact, kind of a general problem with the sport and the striking training in the sport. Have either of these guys been booked since this fight? Gone. Gone. Knocked out Tuvasa. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And that was a bit of a layup, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, that's the thing. Everyone in the division's a layup for both these guys. I think yeah. that's a major reason why this fight sucks so bad. Mm-hmm. They just yeah. don't have a clear path. The path to victory just doesn't unveil itself for them. Yeah. Their fighters used to being handed handed yeah. def- the defeat of their enemies by their enemies. Exactly. And here, like, they both are genuinely good heavyweights, and the result is a yeah. really lackluster fight. Yeah. Nice body shot counter takedown. There we go, and gone. That was a whole sequence. It real still really is shocking how much better a fighter Ingano uh, becomes the moment he can touch and make contact with his oh, opponent yeah. at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it, it does not have to be But if he can get a hand on an opponent, his coordination snaps into place immediately. Isn't that a testament to the quality of heavyweight? The stat just popped up: first fighter to put Cyril Gane in his back in the UFC. Yep. Ugh. Francis Ngannou is the first guy who's even tested your wrestling. Yep. <laughs> this division sucks. It's so bad. Oh, right. Ngannou isn't going to get up from this, is he? No. Um. Um. We'll see. Ngannou's top is not exactly brilliant. Uh, he's at his knees. He's trying. Uh, he's trying. Uh, now, yeah. Phil, we had our talk with Ben Cohn about how to beat the quad pod, and Ghani was about to deliver. Oh, yeah. Honestly, that was actually, he did a pretty good job getting the hook in and forcing mm-hmm. Ghani to give up the position again. Yep. And now he picked it up. There he goes. Because Ngannou thought he was going to guillotine him. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, I'm I'm Francis Ngannou. When I get on top of somebody, I think the cleanest way to win is definitely a guillotine. I would have that... insane landing my legendarily powerful fists. I probably Did you, did you guys see that uh, Miguel Cass, I think it is, on Twitter? That huh? the thread that he and Ben posted of Anderson Silva's ground and pound? Oh, yeah. That's, I, that's always been one of my favorite topics. I wrote a series yeah. of articles back in the day with... Uh, the second part was all about Anderson's finishing yep. skills. No, I just, I, I really wish that that is, that that is something that like, I know some aspects of the ground game, like get ups have evolved a ton in MMA, but it really does not feel like grounded pound has evolved. We were just this the other day with Ben. Yeah. Like, it's, it's weird that grounded pound is the one thing that is the most unique to MMA. Mm-hmm. That it so far there does not appear to be a particularly comprehensive system of like how fighters are supposed to go about it. Yeah, I still remember seventy five percent of them still just go nuts when they yeah. have action and just wing wild punches. I, I still remember. I think it was Billy Quarantillo being asked about ground and pound after one of his wins and being like, "I don't train it. it What's just striking on the ground? Just to train." Yeah, yeah, they don't treat it as like some kind of weird clinch striking where the rules are different than they are in the regular clinch. Yeah. It's different than they are in pure grappling and different than pure striking, obviously. Like, Need to give it cool names. Then people, will, uh, then people will, will learn it. They need to have like a good system. Mark, Mark Coleman gave us ground and pound, and at that point we stopped coming up with cool names. <laughs> yeah. 
Right. Get Eddie Bravo on it. Maybe Maybe. someone with less. Yeah, maybe someone. Uh, Get some like get some uh uh, some new metal bands to like yeah uh, brainstorm or some rad names. Yeah, because even MMA fighters aren't all so lame, but they're gonna want everything to be named after some like complicated weed mechanism that (laughs) only the most marijuana addicted people on earth would ever buy. Well, you don't think having like. The dog vomit position, or like, or that, yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, yeah, that feels right. It's got to be get the members of STEM on this. Yeah, there we go. What they're not doing anything lately. Mm-hmm. They had the talent to write uh, the the UFC theme song. They've got the talent to to write some uh, mm-hmm. ground and pound technique positions. Oh my god! But like seriously, he gets one chance to connect. This is a pretty sick takedown. Yeah. Yeah. Big man just going completely airborne. It really is like that's especially I think more than anything. You gotta think that like that spells worse than anything for Francis Ngannou's chances to ever be any kind of boxer. Is it like the best offense he creates comes from having a grip on someone? Comes from cheating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he really is not a better puncher at any point than when he has one hand on his opponent already. Bro, what was gone thinking he was gonna do there? You think you're gonna Kimura and Ganu? Feel like another leg up there you're trying to Kimura. Yeah, you gotta get like yeah, you have to be triangled, you have to be in top position. You are not just gonna guard Kimura friends. Look at his arms. Yeah. I think you're doing also one of the best things about heavyweight grapplers is the the <laughs> the tendency of people to just be yes. like, I know what good grappling is, it's learning the submissions <laughs> and and using them. And it's, it's like, and, and all the best moves are the ones that work on my much smaller training partners. Yeah. Yeah. So Kimura's key locks, uh, straight yeah. arm bars. Nobody yeah. loves a straight arm bar like a yeah. heavyweight. Hey, which Tom Aspinall might be the first guy in history to actually hit. Yeah. The first heavyweight to ever actually do that against a decent opponent, who is not half the half his size. Yeah, I remember. Like, who was it? Was it? It was something like. It was something like Pat Barry against Stefan Struve. Mm. And Pat Barry tried to Kimura sweep him. And I was just like, what are you... Do you, yeah. do you not understand? Maybe don't do all your rolling with Rose Nami Yunus, Pat. Come on. Yeah. Uh, it was a nice body punch from Nganu uh, about 30 seconds ago. I think that was the last thing that happened, more or less. Yeah. He just got, yeah, and he got jabbed. And then... It's going to be going back to the with Gans just like as long as he stands there not doing anything, I can very slowly work my way towards a win without risking anything apart from doing like again, this is like the Jones thing, but far worse. He's yeah. not yeah. building anything. It's just like single pot shot, single pot shot, single pot shot, single pot shot. Single pot shot, and eventually Ngani's just gonna. And, but his, uh, but then he'll just do something wild and crazy, like a spinning back yep. kick, and eventually Ngani's just gonna charge him. 
Did we get another Ngannou takedown here? I can't remember. I can't remember either. I think I maybe that, not. Uh, there's a spectacularly uh, stupid unforced error from Gone on the ground in round. Yeah, three. yeah, but I, yeah. Because it's, oh, it's actually it's actually quite a close fight, as I recall. Yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. clear from Ngannou, but it's like yeah, Gone. It's, Gone it's not even had like won a couple of rounds, or you know, mm-hmm. at least one, if not arguably two, like the first. Like no, the first and second there round. Was case, were... There was a case that was not completely stupid uh, for him, like winning the fight because so little happens in the rounds that Nganu wins. But you know, the, what happens is Nganu throwing him down like a baby. So yeah, yeah, you had to give it to him. Like, exactly. Yeah. If you if he'd actually like if he'd gone after Nganu when he, they were on the feet in the same way yeah. that he went after like Tuivasa after he was hurt, maybe yeah. he would have won those rounds, but. You know, he didn't. He was just like, oh my god! Again, it was just for like he tried yeah. to roll for a knee bar, <sighs> and that's not even the dumbest leg lock mistake he's going to make in this fight. Yeah, for... Fernand Lopez has big like. Th- there's some big Faraz Sahabi vibes. That, that... To be honest, I mean, Ngannou's wrestling looks pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, granted, he's. I think he. This is his one big physical advantage. He's. he's I think he's stronger than Gon, but, uh, you know, he's actually like finding the right angles on these takedowns yeah. and switching from one to the other. And that's the thing, like that we've always said about him. He is just a. He's just clearly a natural grappler. Yeah, when when yeah, he puts yeah. a hand on somebody, he, he his coordination, his sense of positioning, and his striking and everything, it just it it all works way better for him. Yeah, I mean, his first, you know, his first win over Curtis Blades. You're just like, yep. how is this guy stopping so many takedowns? Mm-hmm. He's visibly super raw, but he also just has a, he just has a knack for knowing what to do. Yeah. Which, like I say, is really bad news for, and that was an awesome knee. Mm-hmm. It's really bad news for the idea of him boxing. Because it's just like, you're yep. never, you're never going to get a chance to grapple this person, you know, especially if you fight somebody like Tyson Fury or something like that, like you are never going to get stuff. You know, you might get a clinch, but you will not get anything out of it, bro. You're also not going to out clinch Tyson Fury. I think that's what I mean. It's like he's an infighter. He's really good at that. Actually, yeah. one of the things that I think is most misunderstood about the differences between boxing and MMA. Like, you don't actually really, you know, unless you have a really bad hugging boxing match, you don't get to ever rest in a boxing match. There's no point where you can be like, oh, we're not really doing anything. I found a position I'm comfortable with. I can't MMA fighters something. like to rest. You got to rest on the move. Yeah. Like. Yeah, exactly. You have to you have to create your rest if you want to, and you have to do it constantly while and if you stop punching for any length of time in a boxing match too, a lot of refs won't, will just, you know, they'll stop the fight if you don't actually keep fighting. Mm-hmm. So you have to be every minute, you know, every minute of every round, you have to be constantly engaged in a way that in MMA, there are lots of breaks you can take, you know? So it's, uh, it's all on the line, two and two. Yeah. Going into round five. Let's see the intensity with which round five starts.
I mean, this I gotta say, it, this is a, a still an interesting fight in its it way, oh, yeah. but it's also not good. Yeah, it's interesting in that it's like these guys have gotten these guys are literally the most dangerous unarmed combatants alive in many senses. Mm-hmm. And they just have glaring, <laughs> massive glaring holes in their technical games. It really makes it a battle of wills, too, at that point, because it's just mm-hmm. this is what that they can't do to each other. And you're here in round five. They're exhausted. So it is just like, well, who wants it more? Who's going yep. to be smarter? Sir Gon really does have a terrible right hand. Yeah. Yep. The way he throws it, man. He's just a he just jabs and kicks. It's, it truly is all he's really very good at. Do you mean left hand or? Huh? Do you mean left hand? Because he's mostly funning southpaw. Well, he did throw a right cross a moment ago, but any cross. You just mean his his straight, yeah. His rear. Yeah, yeah, rear hand, yeah. Um. And we're all like, oh my god, he's got the will of the warrior. He's wrestling now. Wait, here we go. Here it comes. Mm-hmm. The, greatest, the greatest decision-making in UFC heavyweight history. Just the most unbelievable, massive, brain-thinking moment of all MMA time. Really is. Somehow he, he keeps he's on top. He's I mean, got his way even into guard, which is a pretty, you know, a better position for him. Ganu's trying to triumph him, which would be incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you're really in a safe spot here. Oh. Yeah, just don't. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Just. Do you oh. think he was going to get an ankle lock? I think he was just he... trying to pass. He was just trying to. He was just trying. That's I think it looked like he was... Said he was trying to pass and then he got his foot caught or something. Mm-hmm. I think he was rolling back for the for the ankle lock. I, I thought he was. I think he thought, see, and he's going for it again. Like he thinks he's gonna knee bar. Yeah, Francis I think Gunn. he was thinking a killer. Nah, I think he's just pass. I think he was just trying to pass, but he was he was trying to jump over Nganu when he was passing rather than like sliding the knee. Just trying I, to I don't know. That position. All I, all evidence here points to a. I had the idea for a leg lock finish. And I'm going for it with my whole body and body and soul. He's still trying it. He's completely yep. pushing for it, and he can't let it go. Yep. He's going to get thrown on his face any second now. Well, instead he just sort of uh, no, just folds his back. He's just going to get hugged to hugged to the oh, loss. straight into mount, dude. With an arm caught underneath too. Durgan's a bad grappler. He is. And Francis Ngannou is not a very bad grappler, truly. Nope. nope, he is okay. He's perfectly solid, considering he never, ever does it in his fights. Yeah. Just got to hope that Tyson Fury goes <laughs> for an ankle lock. It would be sick, actually, if Ngannou did return you know, to, to MMA. I don't know what's going to happen with him. And uh-huh. just leans into this and just out grapples everyone. I, would kind of I like mean, it. he really should. It is it is genuinely what he is best at. Yeah, I think no it would question. work. I think it I would mean, work. I mean, who else I is there? That, I mean, at some point, he there's will. a solid chance that he would just lose on the feet to like Tom Aspinall. Right. Yeah. 
could he outgrapple Tom Aspinall to like a TKO win? Maybe. Maybe. Like very, I would say prob- very probably. And be, I want to see it happen. I, I mean, I think he will be back in MMA too. It just, mm-hmm. it, it, it depends on whether he can get the UFC to capitulate and give him a chance to box somebody. Or if he just ends up having to fold because he realizes at some point his career will be effectively iced forever if he doesn't just get back in the octagon. Just Cyril Gon experiencing Francis Ngannou's wrist control. Mm-hmm. His hands the size of... And Ngannou's going to do something that makes me think that he won this round in the last, like, 20 seconds, right? Because no. I remember him... I'm sure he does, like, something, because basically nothing has happened in this round. Yeah, yeah. Like... This is uh, this is a, I think a, a ten ten round. Yeah, except they like, spent more time on top. That's why. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. He isn't gonna do anything, is he? Oh no, no, look, he's doing two. No, yeah, look, he oh. throws some punches. Nothing. No, no, no. He's right. It's nothing. Nope. Ugh. Yeah. Realize, That's the decisive. I realize the margins of this fight was so. Yep. Ugh. That was the decisive round. Dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> and it was starts bad, just gets worse. It all started with Cyril gone, completely bereft of ideas for what to do. Decided maybe he should do some wrestling. Okay, we gotta see. The... He always does it in all his fights. I mean, yeah. again, fair enough. Why not? You're giant and super athletic. But and it worked. But all he had to do was just sit in top position. What was? I mean, kind of strong, but he's not like. Sweep a six foot four, two hundred and sixty five pound man in the fifth round off me from full guard. Like no, when yeah, he doesn't want to, it to happen, guy. He tried to build up uh and do a technical yeah. stance, and then Ganu shut it down. He controlled yeah. his wrist and put him on his back. It wasn't until he tried the leg lock slash guard path. We gotta see the replay of that though. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it's a leg lock attempt. I think so too. I think no, it's, I think it's think just a Complete. It's just it's just a sloppy pass, and he gets. I, I think a complete tri-star brain. It would. I mean, it would have to be one of the dumbest things anyone's ever done in, a, in an MMA fight. It is. I'm pretty it sure. Really it's is. Forced brain thinking. Wait. All right. So there's the takedown. Now come on, show show the roll. What? Oh. What? All right, Phil. Go back and look at it reassess for yourself how are they not going to show it? it's the decisive moment of the fight I am going back to watch it where is it um, about, right, he's got him on the floor blah blah 30, blah 30 or so. two to three minutes left in the fifth no, he just, I think I still think he just tries a really stupid pass and he no. gets his no 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 He's not trying for a leg lock. He's not trying for a leg lock. He tries to jump his knee over Ngannou, and then he gets his he gets his shin caught on Ngannou's. What are you French a, man? Come on, it's a leg lock. It's, it's leg not. It's not. It really. It's a. It's not. He's trying. He's trying a really stupid pass. Why right. do you pass with the guy's instep under your armpit? Yeah, no. It's not a pass. It's not a pass. 
All right. On that note, I got to wrap this up. You can find me on Twitter at these ain't time. You can find Connor on Twitter at boxing Bush. You can find Phil on Twitter at evil. Greg Jackson, find all three of us over at bloody Give us a like subscribe to our post, our podcasts on bloody presents on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all that good stuff. The MMA depressed us. We'll be back in, uh, I don't know. We're getting into the point where it's going to be like six months' time. It's not actually that far away. There's another gap coming up pretty soon, I think. All right. Uh, we'll be back, yeah, in on January 28th. So just two weeks' time. Tell then, everyone. Enjoy the UFC cards, and we'll see you then. Adios. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Vivis Section, the 6th Round Post-Fight Show, 6th Round Retro, The MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, The Hey Not The Face Podcast, and Radio Style Play-By-Play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow Blog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com.